Hi everyone, welcome back to the Daily Gospel Exegesis podcast, where we try to do an analysis of the literal sense of scripture. We're diving deep into the gospels, doing a verse-by-verse analysis to see if we can get at what the original author intended. Today we're looking at a text that is really important in understanding Jesus' own theology and the theology of the New Testament in relation to the Old Testament. It's one that's been uh, probably misinterpreted by various Christians, and there's a lot of scholarly discussion about this particular text, because it does have a lot of interesting implications, and people have argued about this text and its interpretation for uh, many centuries. So we're going to give it a go, using the tools of Catholic scholarship and pulling it apart verse by verse. So, Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 19. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not imagine that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to complete them. I tell you solemnly, till heaven and earth disappear, not one dot, not one little stroke, shall disappear from the law until its purpose is achieved. Therefore, the man who infringes even one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be considered the least in the kingdom of heaven. But the man who keeps them and teaches them will be considered great in the kingdom of heaven. So what's the context here? Well, we're right near the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. We've already had the Beatitudes. And then in verses 13 to 16, we already had kind of this beginning introductory section where Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world, where he reminds them that they are followers of his for a purpose. If they're going to follow the ways of the kingdom, they need to spread the kingdom. So now we get to verses 17 to 19, which is sort of, this is another introduction to the whole sermon. And what he's saying in this section is, I'm about to say some things about the law of Moses And here is why I'm saying them. So it's sort of like his introduction to his interpretations to the law of Moses. And he wants to clarify with them up front that the interpretations he's about to give them are not like he's abolishing the law, right? So he wants to make that clear to them up front before he gets into specific commandments. So verse 17, Jesus said to his disciples, now that's not in the original. If you look at uh, the scriptures here, the actual Bible, He's actually speaking to large crowds of people who are interested in the kingdom. The lectionary has added in this phrase, Jesus said to his disciples, just as a way of introducing the reading to us at Mass. Do not imagine that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Now, this phrase, law or the prophets, in the time of Jesus, that was shorthand for the entire Old Testament. So Jesus here is going to say, I've not come to abolish the Old Testament. It's important Jesus says this up front because... After this, he's about to go on to explain how the common interpretation of many of the Old Testament laws is not correct, and or at least they're only partial. And so he wants his hearers to understand right up front that he's not abolishing the Old Testament, even though it may sound like it at face value. He's come to give the correct, deeper explanation of the whole Old Testament. He's going to focus particularly on the Torah, which is the law, But he uses the phrase here, law or the prophets. He wants them to be clear. He's not getting rid of the Old Testament. He says, I've not come to abolish, but to complete them. Depending on your translation here, it might say fulfill them. What does it mean to fulfill the Old Testament laws? And this is where a lot of scholarly discussion centers around. There's been whole scholarly papers written on this phrase here. What does it mean for Jesus to say, I've come to complete the Old Testament laws? 
Well, the first thing to say is that the, the law, the Torah itself, pointed towards a future fulfillment. Jesus mentions that in chapter 11, verse 13. So, the Torah itself seems to be written in a way where it was inbuilt to point towards a future fulfillment. And there's a distinction we need to make up front here, which is that the Torah has both sacrificial laws, it also has some moral laws, and it also has some civil laws. And you can do a bit of a study on the cat- the three different categories there. What we're going to see here, and this is a very much a summary statement, is that while the sacrificial laws in the Torah terminated with the sacrifice of Jesus, so Jesus' fulfillment of the sacrificial laws essentially means that those sacrifices no longer need to be performed because Jesus' sacrifice is the final sacrifice, the moral law aspects of the Torah are retained. They're not done away with in the sense that the uh, sacrificial laws are. The moral law is retained, and in fact, it's elevated and deepened in the new covenant. And what Jesus is going to do here in the Sermon on the Mount is he's going to focus particularly on the moral law aspect of the Torah. He's going to show how he's come to fulfill and deepen those laws. Jesus has come to explain the true purpose and the meaning of the Torah laws, what the law has always meant, in effect. It's important we keep this in mind. Jesus is not really giving a new interpretation of the Torah laws. He's giving the interpretation that Jesus always intended, but which people may not have picked up on. So he's come to explain to them what the Torah moral laws have always meant. Also keep in mind, Moses originally gave the law on a mountain. The Torah law was initially given on a mountain. Jesus now goes up a mountain to give the definitive interpretation of that Torah law. Jesus has unique capacity to do this because he is the divine son of God. He is God himself who can definitively, authoritatively explain the meaning of the law. And Jesus will go on to say that for some of the Torah laws, they need to be interiorized and deepened, he's not going to diminish their literal force. He's still going to say that the main moral laws, their literal force still applies. And we'll talk more about this in a bit more nuance as we go through. Verse 18, I tell you solemnly, or some translations might say, amen, I say to you. Whenever you hear that, it means Jesus is going to say something important in an authoritative way. I tell you solemnly, till heaven and earth disappear. Now, here is where a lot of the discussion centers around too. What does this phrase mean, till heaven and earth disappear? Some have taken this literally to mean that at the moment the heaven and earth disappear, then, you know, whatever he says next is going to apply. I think in this case, it doesn't necessarily have to be taken literally. It's probably a Jewish way of saying for all time, till heaven and earth disappears, probably just a metaphorical Jewish way of saying for the rest of human history. I think that's better to see it that way rather than trying to find a specific event that Jesus is referring to. Some Christians have tried to or have have seen Jesus here as referring to a specific event. For example, the destruction of the temple in 70 AD was, in a sense, the passing away of heaven and earth. In a Jewish understanding, it was. So some have said that maybe Jesus here is teaching that what I'm about to say applies up until the destruction of the temple. Or some have thought maybe the death of Jesus even is the dis- uh, when heaven and earth pass away. So on that interpretation, Jesus is saying, what I'm about to tell you applies until my death. I don't think either of those interpretations work that well, because he'd essentially be saying, 
these solemn words I'm about to give you apply for the next three years until I die, at which point they no longer apply. Or on the 70 AD interpretation, what I'm about to say to you applies for the next 40 years. After that, they're not relevant anymore. For that reason, I don't think we want to interpret it that way. I think it makes more sense to say it's just a metaphorical way of saying for all time. Then he says this, not one dot, not one little stroke. That's how some English translations put it. That's how the lectionary puts it. But more literally, it says they're not an iota, not a dot. Now, what do these words mean? An iota corresponds to the Hebrew letter Yod, which is the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So Jesus says not even the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet of the law will pass away. And then he says not a dot. A dot was like the tiny extensions that scribes would use when they were writing out the law that distinguish similar looking Hebrew letters from one another. It's like a little stroke on top of some of the letters. So Jesus here is saying not even a single stroke of the law is going to pass away. He's being really emphatic here. Even though I'm about to give you a definitive interpretation of the law that sounds new, I want to emphasize, Jesus says, that the law will not pass away. I've not come to abolish the law. Not even a tiny part of the law will be abolished. So that's what he says here. Nothing shall disappear from the law. Essentially, he's saying the law retains its status. And we'll talk more about this as we go. Until all is accomplished. So then we have another one of these phrases. Until all is accomplished. Or another translation there is until all things have taken place. You could interpret this two different ways. If you take it as until all is accomplished, you could say, well, maybe it means until Jesus has fulfilled his mission. But I think a better rendering of until all is accomplished means the law itself, until the purpose of the law is achieved. So that the law will not pass away until the purpose of the law is achieved. Or you could take this phrase to be synonymous, which is probably more likely, with what he said before about till heaven and earth pass away. It's a way of saying until all of human history, until the end of human history, essentially, until everything is closed, nothing from the law will pass away. So most likely what Jesus is saying is that the law and the prophets, the Old Testament, will not be abolished until the end of time even if it's true that he's come to give a new interpretation of that Old Testament. So, to emphasize, Jesus is saying the law has enduring validity. Verse 19, therefore, so the fact that we have a therefore here indicates there's a connection with what he's just said about the Old Testament law not passing away and the commandments he's about to give. The man who infringes, so this is a warning to the whole crowd who's listening, anyone who infringes these commandments. Now, what does he mean by these commandments? Some have interpreted it to mean the Old Testament commandments, the Torah law commandments. And although that interpretation does work, I think it's more likely here that he's referring to the commandments he's about to describe, because he is actually going to give some commandments in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Remember when he says, I say to you. So these are commandments he's about to give. So I think the best way to understand this, the man who infringes these commandments, the commandments he's about to give, I think we should take it that way rather than saying he's giving a warning about anyone who infringes any one of the Old Testament laws. Although you could read it that way, and some Christians have tried to read it that way, I think it's given that Jesus is going to give some new commandments here, which are really authoritative interpretations of the old ones. 
we should focus on these commandments, Jesus' own commandments. Jesus here is going to portray his own commandments as the correct understanding of the Torah laws. He's teaching that in the kingdom, if you're a follower of Jesus, in order to obey the Old Testament, you have to obey the commandments and interpretations that he is about to give. He's saying the commandments I'm about to give you are the commandments you need to follow. The man who infringes even one of the least of these commandments. So notice that there are some of these commandments, whatever these commandments are, that are more important or in some way more than other commandments because he says that if you infringe even the least of these commandments. So I think here we have a hint that some commandments are more important than others. And again, we'll talk more about this as we go through the Sermon on the Mount and teaches others to do the same. So Jesus wants his hearers to pass on these commandments to others. This is part of the Great Commission, by the way. When Jesus goes back to heaven, he says, All authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, the word there for disciple means teach. In fact, it can actually be translated discipline. Go and discipline the nations. Go and teach them my moral laws. So Jesus expects his hearers here to go and teach other people these commandments. Now, one thing we want to say here as a caveat is that it appears that keeping Jesus' commandments strictly isn't necessarily required in order to get into the kingdom of heaven in terms of perfect obedience to his commandments, but there has to be some sort of reward attached to it. It affects your rewards and your ranking in heaven in some way if you're able to live up to Jesus' high standards. Those who keep the commandments Jesus is about to list and teaches others to do the same will have a higher ranking in the kingdom. That's sort of what he means by this phrase. Those who don't keep all the commandments or don't teach others to keep all the commandments, they're going to have a lower ranking in the kingdom. That's what Jesus says here. They will be considered great in the kingdom of heaven. That's the actual phrase he uses. So some will be greater in the kingdom than others. This whole section here tells us a lot about the commandments Jesus is going to give in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus knows that the commandments he's about to give are a high calling. They're a high standard. They're hard to keep. And so he's saying that perfect obedience to them is not required for entrance into the kingdom. But still, his followers are called to perfection nonetheless. If you want to be perfect in the kingdom, you have to have perfect obedience to his law. And as he'll uh, add in a bit later on, we more perfectly model the Father to the world when we can live up to Jesus' high standards. So all of that theology is kind of built into Jesus' commandments here. Greatness in the kingdom comes from reflecting the Father more greatly, more accurately to people by living up to Jesus' commandments more completely. So this verse 19, in summary, tells his listeners that if they want to be his followers, they have to follow the Old Testament law in light of Jesus' own authoritative interpretations. That's what true obedience and true greatness in the kingdom is going to look like. So having done verses 17 to 19, which is where Jesus sets up as an introduction what the meaning of the commandments is that he's about to give, how does that lead into the next sections? Well, Jesus will start in verse 21 by explaining that true faithfulness to God's underlying purpose for the law demands an interiorizing of the law's precepts, but the law's precepts still retain their literal force. So that's in verses 21 to 30. Then verses 31 to 37, Jesus is going to make the point that sometimes following God's law entails following a higher standard than what is expressed in the Torah law. 
And then after that, he's going to say that sometimes following God's law might even demand setting aside one's own personal rights under the Torah law in order to further conform ourselves to God and reflect God to the world. That's how chapter 5 will finish. So you can sort of see the movement of how Jesus is going to uh, describe how to understand the law and the definitive interpretation of the law. So hopefully that gives you a good outline for what's going to come in the rest of chapter 5. So hopefully that was helpful. Let's now turn to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. There's a few paragraphs here which make reference to it. Paragraph 577 is about Jesus and the law. It's a really important paragraph. At the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus issued a solemn warning in which he presented God's law given on Sinai during the first covenant in light of the grace of the new covenant. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So that paragraph there, 577, quotes from this entire section of Matthew chapter 5. It sees it is really important in understanding Jesus' relationship with the law. Paragraph 592, Jesus did not abolish the law of Sinai, but fulfilled it with such perfection that he revealed its ultimate meaning and redeemed the transgressions against it. So again, that's another really good summary. Paragraph 1967, this is kind of an introductory section to how Jesus' law relates to the law of the Old Testament. And in terms of the Ten Commandments, how does it apply to us? The law of the gospel fulfills, refines, surpasses, and leads the old law to its perfection. In the Beatitudes, the new law fulfills the divine promises by elevating and orienting them towards the kingdom of heaven. It is addressed to those open to accepting this new hope with faith. The poor, the humble, the afflicted, the pure of heart, those persecuted on account of Christ, and so marks out the surprising ways of the kingdom. So often what Jesus says here in the Sermon on the Mount is called the new law or the law of the gospel. It's seen as the kingdom manifesto. Paragraph 2053, this is about the Ten Commandments. To this first reply, Jesus adds a second. If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. This does not do away with the first. Following Jesus Christ involves keeping the commandments. The law has not been abolished, but rather man is invited to rediscover it in the person of his master who is its perfect fulfillment. In the three synoptic gospels, Jesus called to the rich young man to follow him in the obedience of a disciple and in the observance of the commandments is joined to the call to poverty and chastity. The evangelical councils are inseparable from the commandments. So that paragraph focuses particularly on the discussion with the rich young ruler, which also focuses on obedience to the commandments. So in general, Jesus' theology roughly is in order to get into the kingdom, you need to keep the Ten Commandments. And in order to have greatness in the kingdom, you need to live up to Jesus' standards and Jesus' interpretation of those commandments. That's a fairly rough and ready analysis. If you put together what we've looked at today from Matthew 5, and then Jesus' encounter with the rich young man in Matthew 19. Hopefully this exegesis was helpful and helps you go a bit deeper in moral theology. 
and in understanding Jesus' words. And it certainly sets us up well for the next section of the Sermon on the Mount. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others. Also consider supporting the podcast through the Patreon page. I know that you have many worthy causes, Christian causes to support, and you should always support those in real need first, particularly those in your local area. Uh, But if you also want to support some content creators, then I'd really appreciate that as a content creator. It helps uh, plan for new projects uh, and also lets me know that the work we're doing here with the Daily Gospel Exegesis is valued. So you can have a look at the Patreon page. There's a link for that in the episode description if that interests you. Thanks, and we'll continue tomorrow.